0: Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast for Salem Heights Church. We meet weekly at 9 and 10.45 a.m. and 5 p.m. For more information, visit SalemHeightsChurch.org. Well, good morning, church. Uh, Pastor Pete here with Pastor Justin, and uh, we're sitting here in the chapel to uh, record a a special message for this morning uh, because um, our our city, our, our, our county has been experiencing some crisis that we're sure you're well aware of uh, in light of the coronavirus. And uh, after prayer and discussion as an elder team, um, we, we felt led to cancel our Sunday services this week. But we wanted to take time to uh, speak to you, uh, both to speak to uh, some of the things that might be weighing on your heart, uh, but also to kind of give you a biblical perspective of how we want to move forward over the, ne- uh, the upcoming days and weeks as we uh, kind of continue to do life as a church. And I know Pastor Justin, uh, the Lord, kind of uh, laid some verses and some thoughts on your heart that we talked about, and so I'd uh, love for you to share that with us.
1: Yeah, I think the, the things that we've been talking about as a staff kind of fell into four categories. Mm-hmm. And, and our main concern is that we wanted to be able to um, share some thoughts that would guide our thinking Uh, that come from Scripture. So the first one that uh, we wanted to highlight, and I want you just to read these for everybody, it comes out of 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7.
0: Yeah, it says, Therefore I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment.
1: So I think the summary statement that we came up with is to be fearless, but be wise. Yeah. The main concern that we have is in this kind of climate, we have a bunch of people that have told us how we have to respond to the current crisis. So we've been told by the government that we can't meet. We've been told by healthcare officials. These are the concerns. Uh, and it's really normal to have fear kind of fill our ranks. Right, right. We're not supposed to operate or make decisions out of fear. We're not supposed to operate in our own personal lives out of fear, but we're not supposed to run a church based on fear either. But it's not just about fearlessness. It says, uh, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. The idea of power there, literally the idea that there is something inside us that is such a different energy source. It impels us to do right things. Mm -hmm. So, we have this power inside us that is pushing us forward to do right things, and the two things that follow that are love and self-control. There should be an activity inside us that changes the way we respond to a world that's in chaos, and self-control is we also cut ourselves off from acting in a way that will harm other people's reality or harm their opinion of Christ. And so we need to be fearless. Don't be afraid of germs. Don't run around being afraid, but be wise. Don't run down to the hospital and start handing out hugs, right? <laughs> right, right, and and then run back to the church and say, look how unafraid I am. Yeah. Um, that fearlessness has always been a mark of the Christian community. They have always gone into the mess uh, and were ministers. I, what we were sharing earlier is, I think what God wants from us is that we would be ministers, not mavericks. Right. So we're not trying to prove that we're above the law. We're not trying to prove that we're uh, above fear, but we are trying to minister in the middle of this mess in a way that shows fearlessness. And uh, I had printed off a statement from uh, Julian, the apostate, that Roman emperor, and I've shared it at church before. But in the fourth century, he was really bothered that Christianity was still growing and his paganism. He wanted Rome to go back to the other gods. He thought that Christianity was godless. He thought that Christians were, um, he hated the fact that Christians didn't follow all the rules of all the other gods. Yeah. But he saw that the Christian ethic was the thing that was winning the entire country because as a plague comes through, the Christians are the ones that instead of running away in fear, were actually running back into the mess helping. And he said, uh, He called Christians atheists. He said these atheists have been especially advancing through the loving service rendered to strangers and through their care for the burial of the dead. It's a scandal that there's not a single Jew who is a beggar and that the godless Galileans, he's not talking about godless people but Christians there, that godless Galileans care not only for their own poor but for ours as well. While those who belong to us look in vain for the help that we should render them. He's like, while we're running away afraid and leaving our own people to die, the Christians are coming in, taking care of those people, fearless, um, loving. And it won the hearts of the people. They said, that's the kind of God I want to follow. Mm -hmm. So we have an opportunity to be fearless, but we also need to be mindful. Yeah.
0: And so as we think about the situation too, you know, this is a situation where we see the government coming in and making decisions on behalf of uh, our society yeah. and then imposing some, some rules and regulations that yeah. begin to impact the church. What do you think our attitude should be as believers in light of what um, the governor and other uh, political
1: officials are saying? Well, that's the second passage I want us to read is in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It
0: says, first of all, then, I urge you that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good, and it pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth.
1: Yeah, so... Paul once again speaking to Timothy, a young leader, and telling him how he is to live is asking them during the, the age of Nero, during the age of the most wicked government when they did not concern themselves with the will of the people. They weren't taking a vote on anything. He's still saying that I want to ur- you to urge believers to pray, intercede, give thanks for yeah. these people. Um, we need to give thanks and and what we wrote out was that we should pray for and obey the governing authorities but put our faith in God. So we need to be praying for them that they would make wise decisions. We right now are under a band um, of meetings, you know, anything larger than 250. But the spirit of that uh, actually is what they've called social distancing. So they, they actually want you to create space so that germs don't continue to grow. And there is actually some precedent for that. Um, I, I had uh, uh, Peter print this off. It's a, a, just a picture, a snapshot, and hopefully we'll be able to put that on the the video here, but um, a picture of what it, what happens in kind of compressed time if everybody just allows the disease to flow and it's normal progression and we don't change how we interact with each other whatsoever, the bulk of people get sick all in a two week period. (laughs) So if it's already going to hit 70% of our population, Mm. um, we can either have that all happen in two weeks, or we can draw that out over six weeks. And our natural thinking is, well, Hey, let's just, let's just have it happen over two weeks. But the hospital's concern is a valid one. And that is, even though most people are going to get through this fine, the ones who can't get through it uh, actually end up on a ventilator, and they do not have the ability to help those people all with the same level of care if they all crash in in two weeks, whereas they could over six. So in that two-week time period, uh, they're actually doing triage care. They're actually having to decide who lives and dies in a season of flu Whereas if we were thoughtful about this, that's the, the, the thinking. Well, they have a tough decision to make. They know right. it's not going to be popular, and it's going to impact us financially, and there's going to be ramifications across our nation. But they've got a decision, and, and they've made it. Now we have to decide uh, how are we going to respond to an edict from our leaders. Yeah. And for sure, there is a place for opinion, and there's a place to be able to work through what we think about all that. But as believers, what it says is we're to pray for them, intercede for them. And the goal is that we would have a peaceful and quiet life being godly and dignified in every way. We're praying that we can live out what our faith means inside the ramifications of what a king requires or what a leader requires. And so... um, what we believe is the right thing is we're supposed to be praying that they would make wise decisions what we're also going to be praying how do we respond within those to have the most godly response mm-hmm. our faith is in God not in the government right. to get things right but we have to yield to the government in order for peace to reign right and so it's important to, to realize
0: that this is not a moral issue this is a social issue super important and they're really trying to protect and so as citizens the word of God tells us how do we operate knowing that God is still the one who's in control but he has placed he's allowed these leaders to be in positions to make these decisions but this decision will impact how we do church for the next couple of weeks and maybe even a little bit longer there's still a lot of things that are developing but um, how can we care for each other as uh, the body of Christ if we're going to be kind of limited and being able to come together in the way that we've been doing
1: yeah so that's uh, the third passage that we were looking at Hebrews Chapter 10, verses 24 and 25.
0: It says this, And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching.
1: It's pretty interesting. Um, this is a, an appropriate one because it's talking about gathering together, but it's also talking about the end of time. So it's <laughs> saying, as you see the day drawing near, that's the day where God just writes all things new, yeah. right? And so I think when we look at all of the different statements and scriptures about wars and rumors of wars and the concerns and end times, he says there's gonna be a time where all of the circumstances that we're facing get overwhelming. Mm. And what is the nature that we have when it gets overwhelming or the concerns start raining in, or we're afraid of disease or pestilence or war. We tend to withdraw, be separated and just kind of stick to our own. Mm. And he says, don't forsake the gathering together of believers. Let's consider how we can stir one another up to love and good deeds right now is a good time to review your commitment to the body of Christ. So why is it that we meet together as believers? Is it just because we get a happy thought or it meets us uh, some felt needs? Or is there an actual mission there where I am called to come alongside other believers and stir them up? Right now, we're gonna have a few weeks where we can't do that in the largest setting, but we are allowed to do that in smaller settings. And we're actually praying about how we can meet in smaller settings during this month uh that we're off we're going to find some creative way to aid that however that comes about but right now we need to review why is it that we actually gather together because i need you Mm -hmm. and you need me in order to think right to be sharpened and to focus my energy on the glory of god to do good deeds rather than just serve myself but if i separate Proverbs says he who separates himself seeks his own desire and he'll soon come to ruin. Um, I, I do tend to in the middle of a mess separate not realizing that I'm actually doing harm. So we need to think about how we can still engage with other believers, even though we can't meet in our largest setting. Yeah. And so our elders and our staff and our
0: leaders here at the church are going to be meeting over the next days and weeks to uh, consider all the different ways that we can continue to reach out yeah. and do ministry in a way that's creative because uh, the Lord still wants us to get together. I think. Uh, the one thing though as we were talking this morning that really I hadn't thought about and, and as we were talking, you mentioned this, was just sometimes we can look at something like this that uh, can stir up fear or anxiety and we're asking maybe why is God letting this happen. Um, there's actually a positive yeah. uh, that can actually come from something like this when the whole world is kind of
1: on notice. And Absolutely maybe true. Maybe share about that. First uh, Peter 3.15. Yeah.
0: says this but in your hearts regard christ as lord as holy ready at any time to give a defense to anyone asks you for a reason for the hope that
1: is in you yeah and and it says and yet do this with gentleness and respect having a good conscience yeah um that there is a season right now where in all of this chaos uh we tend to be rights-based and so our nature is to be offended we can't meet we can't do this we can't do that and our entire world is gonna be irritated there's gonna be a loss of revenue there's gonna be concerns about what happens next we're heading into an election year there's all kinds of chaos and irritation (laughs) and bother that's coming up what is really gonna stand out to the world around us that is emotionally in chaos they're physically in fear there's all of these different concerns that are assailing them right now the thing that is going to stand out to them is a, as a person who's walking forward, who is mindful of their situation, but they have hope. And it's not just that they're whistling in the rain, you know, but they're actually engaged with the culture around them in a way that says, man, yeah, this is a real mess. And I'm getting impacted by it too. I'm not pretending that I'm okay when I'm really not. But you engage with the idea, this home, this place is not my home. And I've got these promises that are actually lifting me up from the inside that carry me above all of the noise and above all of the mess. And that hope that's in you, the hope we place in Christ, that it says uh, is all about um, uh, extending to them something that is different too. So this hope that is inside of us is is looking at the world around us saying, I want you with gentleness, with respect, I want you to see why I have a hope in eternity and why my savior makes a difference. So this is a gospel opportunity yeah. right now. And we have to remember that as we are going through this, we can either be known as complainers, or we can be known as those who share the gospel. We can either be those who are part of the sickness, or we can be part of the hope. Yeah. And what scripture says is if Christ is in you, and you're really f- you're filled up with who Christ is, that hope is gonna be exuded out of your pores, and the gospel is gonna come out of you, and more people will come to Christ in this scenario than they would have in a peaceful yeah, path, yeah. so.
0: Well, I think it's a, a great opportunity for, for our church to uh, practice uh, the truth that we believe that the church is not a building, Yeah, it's, the, it's us, it's the yeah. people and we can be the church and we can fellowship as a church and we can serve as the church wherever we are at. Yeah, And so
1: we're actually gonna give, God has given us an opportunity now yeah. to be the church. It's true. And, and I think that also the thing that's intriguing uh, and that is a great blessing to me is I'm talking with some other pastors in town. A couple of guys called me before we just did this. Yeah. And uh, each one of them said, man, this is crazy. How are we going to handle this? But each one also said, I cannot, this, this, we've been talking for a long time about the sense that there is, that God's just stacking the kindling, getting ready for revival mm. around us. But in order to strike the match, you need friction. Right? right? What if this is the friction, that moment where God uses the cultural climate and all of the fear and all the hopelessness right there. He just erases it in a moment with uh, his presence. Yeah. yeah, and we have an opportunity right now to exude Christ and show that we're above the noise even though the, the world is messy. Yeah.
0: And so as a church uh, we, we love you, we, uh, we care for you, and we are walking through this very prayerfully and deliberately because we want to shepherd you well. So in the coming days and weeks, um, even for Sundays, we're, we're talking about all the ways that we can still do ministry, we can still do a service, we can still declare the truth of God's word which is our primary calling to be uh, proclaimers of truth and uh, we're going to continue to uh, do that and we trust the Lord will give us wisdom, that's what we're praying for. Yeah. Uh, but Pastor Justin, any final thoughts for our people before we sign off?
1: Just. Don't operate in fear, stay in prayer, and stay connected. Awesome.
0: Well, we love you guys, and we'll have more for you in the coming days. Have a great rest of your day. God bless.